Hey everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping moms ditch perfection and find peace through planning. This is episode 51, how to make beautiful gourmet caramel apples. Hey everyone, welcome back today. Today I want to dive into a really fun topic since it's fall or coming into fall and apple season. I want to share with you how you can make beautiful gourmet caramel apples at home. And part of my reason for wanting to share this is because I was on the hunt for, I think, like seven years for the perfect caramel apple recipe. And I had so many disasters from, you know, apples with the caramel just all dripping off with these huge pools at the bottom that were ugly with, you know, just like messes of toppings. The caramel apples always tasted good because I mean, hello, we're talking caramel here, but they usually looked a mess. And when I can't figure something out in the kitchen, it drives me absolutely crazy. And I hunt and hunt and search until I figure it out. So after seven years, I have finally perfected my caramel apple recipe, but I don't want you to have to go through seven years of trial and error if you've ever tried this before to get beautiful caramel apples yourselves. And we're talking from scratch here. So we're just going to go ahead and dive in. It's going to be a lot of details, but buckle up and listen. And if you want to, you can create your own beautiful gourmet caramel apples this year. So the very first thing that we need to talk about is what kind of apple you're going to want to choose. So honestly, you can choose any kind of apple. They will all work, but my favorite kind and the ones that taste the best would be an apple that has a little bit of tart flavor. So generally, I actually feel like Granny Smith apples are too tart for our family. I wouldn't ever pick those just as a snack, but they're really, really great for caramel apples. Another favorite is Honeycrisp. Honeycrisp have got a little bit of that tartness and they're just my favorite apple all around and they're totally worth the extra however much per pound that they cost and I will pay that every time. So you're going to want to pick one of those apples. Another note about your apples is that you actually want to choose a relatively small to medium apple. A lot of times when people are choosing apples for caramel apples, you know, they go for the biggest apple they can find. They're looking to make a big, juicy caramel apple. But the thing is, is that once you've added your caramel, your chocolate, your toppings, your apple's going to take on a lot more size. And it can honestly just be a little bit overwhelming to have the biggest apple that you could find. So I find that more medium apples are actually just right for making caramel apples. Okay, next we've got to talk about that waxy film that comes on store-bought apples. I've tried caramel apples with store-bought apples and also with apples that we've gotten from U-Pick Farms. And if you have a farmer's market around, if you have a U-Pick farm, any place that you can get apples straight from the source, I highly recommend that for caramel apples because they won't have that waxy protective film on them. If you can't get to a farm or don't have access to that, don't fret. You absolutely can just buy your apples from the store, but you're going to need to scrub that whole film off. So to do this, I will usually fill the sink up with warm water, 
add the apples and scrub each apple well with a clean brand new scotch pad. Then just go ahead and dry the apples completely before you dip or otherwise the caramel won't stick to your apples. Okay, so that completes our talk about choosing and preparing our apples. So next we're going to dig into making the caramel. So why am I so big into making the caramel from scratch? Well, if you know me at all, I like to make everything from scratch, but um, caramel specifically, I have made caramel apples with the store-bought wrappers. And honestly, it is more time consuming and tedious to take all those little wrappers off than it is to just make your caramel from scratch, promise. And also they do have little caramel bits you can buy that you can melt without unwrapping. I just found that I didn't love the flavor and texture of those as much. And they're also really, really pricey, especially to get enough caramel to make a significant number of caramel apples. So the last reason, of course, to make your caramel from scratch is because it's delicious. So I'm going to share all the details with you. I know candy making can be really intimidating, but I promise the recipe I'm sharing is super easy and totally doable. And I promise it really doesn't take a lot of time. We're going to dig into the components of caramel. So the homemade caramel has, of course, sugar, water, and then a little bit of corn syrup. And this is one thing that I do want to make a note about because in my dietitian ways, I have often searched for recipes without corn syrup. And I tried a lot of recipes for caramel apples without corn syrup. And you just, you need the corn syrup, okay? It's like a quarter of a cup, you're going to be fine and it's going to make it delicious. So the corn syrup is in there for a reason. It helps to prevent the caramel from crystallizing, which is one of the most frustrating parts about making candy and having that corn syrup makes the candy making process for this caramel a lot more doable, especially for a beginner. So don't try and do it without it. And trust me, it's there for a reason. Okay, so those are the main components for making the caramel. And then we're also going to add heavy whipping cream and butter, which is going to keep that caramel nice and soft. So that brings me to another point that in order to make your caramel for your caramel apples, you need to check your cream. So cream is really annoying. I don't really know why there's like 800 different kinds of heavy cream or whipping cream or all the creams. (laughs) Um, All you need to know is that the cream that you use for your recipe is at least 36% butterfat. So just check the label and all of the labels for cream will have this somewhere on there and make sure it's at least 36% fat. Don't stress about it. Promise it'll be there on the bottle and then just pick that one up. Okay, so next in the candy making process, I talked about how candy making is a little bit intimidating and I think a lot of that is, you know, having to get the thermometer and get things just right. Don't be afraid, but yes, you will want a candy thermometer for this recipe. They're really cheap. I'll drop a link to one that you can purchase, Um, but you will need it for this recipe just because there are ways that you can know that your caramel is right without a thermometer, but isn't it just easier to know for sure without a doubt that things are the right temperature? And honestly, they're really cheap. So you're gonna wanna use a thermometer and it will save you a lot of stress in the candy making process and help you to know when your caramel is at exactly the right temperature. All right, so now we're gonna dig into actually making that caramel. So I talked about how one of the biggest concerns with candy making is crystallization. So 
in order to make sure that your caramel doesn't crystallize, you're gonna have to do something that's really hard for most cooks and that is leave it alone. I promise you really do not need to stir this caramel and you're gonna be watching it, you're gonna just want to stir, 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 but every time you stir, you introduce the chance of stirring crystals in and causing it to crystallize. So just give it a good stir right at first to make sure that the sugar, water, and corn syrup are all evenly distributed. One tip if you do end up having some crystals forming on the sides of the pot is to keep a pastry brush and a bowl of water right next to you and next to the pot and you can just dip the pastry brush in the water and let that water run along the sides which will cause those crystals to kind of melt back into the caramel and dissolve. Um, I've made this recipe a lot of times and I honestly haven't had it crystallized yet with these techniques. That corn syrup is helping as well. So use all these techniques and I hope that you won't have a problem with crystallization. If you do, let me know and we'll troubleshoot. Okay, so let's talk temperature, right? So you've got that candy thermometer, so what are you gonna do with it? So this particular caramel recipe is split into two major steps. So the first is bringing the temperature of the sugar mixture up to 320 degrees Fahrenheit. Then you're going to add the cream and butter and return the mixture up to 245 degrees Fahrenheit. You really need to be ready with the cream and butter so that you can add it the second that thermometer reads 320 degrees since the caramel can cook very, very quickly once it gets to those high temperatures. I just go ahead and prepare the cream, melt the butter, and keep it right next to the pot so that I can mix it in immediately when that timer reads 320 degrees. You also want to quickly remove the caramel from the heat once it reaches that 245 degrees and move it to another container so it doesn't continue cooking in the pan after you've removed it from the heat. Okay, so you've got your apples, they're nice and clean, they're dry, and you've now got your caramel cooked and you are ready to start dipping. You'd think you'd be through the hard part by now, right? <laughs> This process is a little bit long, but I promise you it's so worth it and so fun to do with your family. And knowing all of these tips will save you a lot of time and frustration, even if it is kind of a lot to process and get through. So you've got your caramel, you've got your apples. I usually try to wash my apples a day in advance so that they have a day to sit in the refrigerator to get nice and cool because when you dip cool apples in the caramel, the cold apple can start setting the caramel quicker. Um, and if you've ever dipped caramel apples, that's one of the biggest problems is you pull it out and all of a sudden your caramel's all dripping off because it's just too hot. Um, another tip I have is right before I dip is to dry the apples with a paper towel to remove any condensation that might have come from having them stored in the refrigerator. So, after your caramel is done, um, you're gonna wanna let it sit for just a little bit. Not too long because if you let it sit for too long then it's going to cool too much and it's gonna be clumpy when you dip your apples. But a lot of recipes just suggest that you start dipping as soon as that caramel comes off the heat. And I haven't had a lot of success with this method because the caramel will often just kind of fall right off because it's thin when it's that hot. So I usually let it cool for only five to 10 minutes and you can be testing it to see, you know, just like if it's the consistency that you're looking for. 
um, with maybe like a test apple. But I have had a lot more success when I wait just a few minutes for the caramel um, to cool down a little bit, and then it will actually stick to the apple instead of just rolling right off. Okay, so you've been dipping for a while, and all of a sudden your caramel does get too cool, and it's suddenly really clumpy, and you're having a hard time dipping your apples well. So when this happens... You need to heat your caramel up again, but you need to do this very, very slowly over very low heat until it reaches a dippable temperature again. And when I say slow, I mean really slow. So caramel is really, really finicky. And if you heat it up too quickly, um, it might start to separate. It might get a grainy texture and the fat might separate from the sugars and you'll end up with an oily mess that not only is not appetizing, it also isn't going to stick to your apples. Another thing I want to know is that I know a lot of you might want to do this caramel in advance. I am all about doing things in advance. You know that about me. Um, and keep it, you know, in a slow cooker or something. But I tested out that method just a few days ago for you guys, and my caramel did turn grainy and it was unusable after sitting in the slow cooker. So this is one of those times where I say make your caramel fresh, maybe give it a practice run if you're having a party or something, and just have everything else completely ready so that it's not a big deal to just make one thing fresh right when you need it. Okay, this tip is the one I'm most excited to share with you because it was the thing that I struggled with the most as I was trying to tackle homemade caramel apples. And that is how to make a caramel apple without that, you know, ugly caramel foot on the bottom that happens when you set your caramel down to cool and the caramel continues to slowly drip off the sides. So... I used to remember I would sit and hold my apple and I'd try spinning it as it was drying, you know, blowing on it, trying it to get completely set before I set it down. And I would inevitably always have this little caramel foot at the bottom of my apples. So the trick that I learned that has absolutely revolutionized my caramel apple making is to just cut that foot off when the caramel has set. It seems like so obvious now. This will make your caramel apple look so much better. And if it's still not perfect, don't even stress because chocolate is your best friend. So here's another thing that I want to chat about. I know a lot of us want to make caramel apples, you know, like as a fun get together or social gathering. And we do that pretty much every year. We'll have friends over to make caramel apples. But what I've done in recent years that has made the process so much more fun and less stressful is that instead of dipping the apples in caramel at the party, I do the caramel dipping in advance. I let them cool. I cut off the little caramel feet that we talked about. And then when I have my guests over, they dip the already carameled apples into chocolate, which chocolate you absolutely can keep melted in your slow cooker, and then they also get to decorate it with whatever toppings they want. So this has made the process of making caramel apples with a crowd a lot more fun and a lot more doable, and the finished product will turn out great even for people with zero caramel apple making experience. So remember, cut off the feet and then use 
high quality melting chocolate. I usually try to buy mine from like a grocery store's bakery that sells a lot of dipped chocolate or often at this time of year, they'll just sell it in the grocery stores. They'll start selling it in bulk. So you should be able to find a high quality chocolate and then use that as your decoration, not the caramel. Another plus for this is that chocolate is actually a lot easier to decorate than caramel. It's a lot easier to stick nuts or whatever else you want to put on your apple into chocolate than it is into caramel. So this is like the golden tip hidden in the midst of this podcast that you won't want to forget is to cut off those feet and then use chocolate. Okay, the very last tip for your beautiful caramel apples is that it's much easier to sprinkle toppings on top of the chocolate covered apple than it is to dip the apple into the toppings, which I don't know why it's just natural instinct to dip that whole apple into the nuts, the pretzels, the M&Ms. But when you dip, a lot of the chocolate's going to fall off into the bowl, which will be very delicious, but also makes a big mess. So If you sprinkle, the presentation is much nicer and you're not going to ruin your bowls of toppings with excess chocolate. My last bonus tip, if you will, is to cut your homemade apples after they're ready and cool and before you enjoy them. So I've heard a lot of people complain that they don't like eating caramel apples because they're a mess to eat. And I mean, if you are going and sticking your teeth into a caramel apple hole, um, it's definitely going to be a big mess and you're just going to be eating a regular apple by the time all of that caramel on the outside is gone and no one wants that, right? So it might lose a little bit of its presentation, but the absolute best way to eat a caramel apple is to cut it in pieces before you eat it. Then you get the perfect bites with chocolate, caramel, apple, and toppings all in one delicious bite. Okay, so... I will link to my recipe for caramel apples in the show notes. It's going to make 12 beautiful caramel apples. And once you're done, you can eat as many as you want, deliver them to some friends, which, you know, in this COVID time might bring just a little bit of joy this holiday season. And I hope that this takes the intimidation out of the process, helps you figure out maybe how you can make prettier caramel apples if you've done it in the past. And I promise these are going to be some of the best that you've ever tasted. Next week, we're going to talk about how to plan healthy and balanced meals in your meal plan. And I promise this is a no shame, no guilt type of episode. This is simply a formula that I like to use to help me know that I'm feeding my family, my kiddos and myself the things that we need. Also keep in mind that this template will help you plan meals that are beneficial to your body, but also that keep mama's sanity and mind in the kitchen. So you won't want to miss that episode. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. Happy planning. Happy planning.